From the banks of the Colorado River in Lake Mead to the homes and businesses in Southern Nevada, welcome to Water Smarts, the podcast pumping from the heart of Las Vegas, where we engage with the experts who keep the water flowing throughout Southern Nevada. I'm Bronson Mack. And I'm Crystal Zelke. From how we treat it, deliver it, use it, protect it, and conserve it, the Water Smarts podcast is all about water in Southern Nevada. We hope to make you a little smarter about the one thing that keeps us all connected, water. Hey, Crystal, how are you today? Off to a busy start, Bronson. It's what, the end of January? I can't believe it's the end of January, which I know. I know. It flies I say, by. I say all the time. My husband laughs at me because every month I'm like, can you believe it's March? It's like you say this. <laughs> like, But anyway, I can't believe we're at the end of January already. And you're busy. I'm busy. My team's all, everybody here at the SNWA is busy, 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 moving full steam ahead, implementing our conservation programs, reminding the community of the work that we need to do, but also celebrating our successes. Because we do have, yeah, we have them, right? Yeah. In fact, last year was an outstanding year when it comes to water use. Talk about celebrating our successes. Last year, our community used about 188,000 acre feet of water. Now, 188,000 acre feet of water may not necessarily mean anything on its own, but when you compare that to our water use in 2003, really when this drought and our conservation programs began really starting in earnest, our community used more than 300,000 acre feet. So we have gone in just about 20 years from 300,000 acre feet to 188. I mean, that is an amazing reduction. And Crystal, that's also been done while we have seen our population increase. Yeah, it's phenomenal. And I know I know, people are going to say, you know, they're going to mention the weather and the weather did have a role in the savings that we had last year. But the weather is unpredictable, and we don't know what this year is going to bring. So far, it's looking like it's going to be a dry year for us. And one thing we know for sure is that we're on this cycle of having drier years than we do wetter years. But one thing we know we can be consistent about is conservation. We've done it so far. We know how to do it. And I think we can continue in order to see the successes that we built on this last year. I mean, all of the credit when it comes to water efficiency goes to the homeowners, the residents, the businesses, everybody that is changing that sprinkler clock, everybody that is being mindful of their outdoor water use, and certainly those customers and property owners that have converted their grass landscaping over to a water-efficient drip-irrigated landscaping with beautiful trees and beautiful plants. That is huge water savings. And today to talk to us about some of the changes that have been made to the WaterSmart Landscape Rebate Program to help put more money in your pocket and incentivize you to make that investment in water efficiency at your home. We have Toby Bickmore, the Conservation Services Administrator for the Southern Nevada Water Authority. Toby, welcome back to the WaterSmarts podcast. Thank you, Bronson. Thank you, Crystal. Happy to be here. Well, we are glad to have you back. We love talking to our conservation experts. And quite honestly, you are a guy that I go to very frequently to talk about conservation and our Water Smart Landscapes program. And Toby, it's really timely having you back on because the SNWA Board of Directors just approved an increase to the Water Smart Landscape rebate program for single family property owners. These would be homeowners within our community. And previously, the SNWA paid homeowners $3 a square foot to replace that grass with drip irrigated trees and plants. There's huge water savings in doing that. But we were able to get a grant, a grant from the American Rescue Plan Act. That's a federal grant that was provided to us through the state of Nevada. 
It is $24 million, and we are investing that right back into water conservation, helping single-family homeowners to incentivize the replacement of that grass. And we have increased now from $3 a square foot to $5 a square foot. So homeowners can receive $5 per square foot if they complete their projects this year, and that will sweeten the pot actually make it a little bit easier to make this investment in your own property. But Toby, can you just share with our listeners a little bit about what this grant means in sort of the larger scale? Sure. So, you know, I've been working with single family residential for 20 years and in this program that whole time. And over time, we have seen a little bit of increases here and there. The idea of raising the the rebate is to stimulate interest and go with the economy as things get a little bit more expensive over time. Obviously, there's been a lot about inflation in the last couple of years. If you think about landscapers and what have you, it's going to cost them more to do work, right? Because of that, we have seen a slowdown in participation in the program probably in the last year. And so we're excited about this because I think this will really boost the interest in the program for this coming year because it'll kind of help offset the cost associated with doing the conversion. In addition to that, there's been a lot of interest or a lot of news about AB 356, so the the assembly bill, and that obviously affects the grass for non-single family. And so there's kind of a whole initiative for them to take out the grass over the next couple of years but has not been a lot directed towards single family residential. And so that's where also this grant comes in. You know, it just gets it up into the news, gets it into people's minds that, hey, it's time, you need to convert. You know, and then they put this time frame on it as well. So it has to be done in 2024. So, you know, you can't prolong it and drag it out. You got to get it done. And I would say one tidbit for people who are listening, who are participating or thinking about signing up, it all has to be done. The conversion has to be done. The paperwork has to be turned in. So if you're thinking about it or in it, don't let it drag out because we have to have everything completely finished in 2024 for anybody to get that $5. So Toby, you mentioned AB 356, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. But this $5 per square foot rebate is in place this year, right? So after that, the rebate for residential homeowners will revert back to $3 a square foot. The $5 per square foot cash incentive only applies to single-family residential homes, as you mentioned. Toby, explain why the increase is targeted to residents and not businesses, and why we're so focused on getting people to replace decorative grass on their properties. One of the things we always track the metric is the cost of doing the, the work, right? So we're always seeing how much is it and how it's changing, and it has gone up quite a bit. And so that's why they're focusing these dollars for that to kind of, again, you know, help pay for more of the conversion. Because again, I mean, there's, there is a certain amount of it that's out of pocket. We're trying to cover more of it with the rebate. There is a lot of initiative and actually requirements on the non-single family side to take the grass out by the beginning of 2027. So there's a, a whole initiative and a whole effort for them to do that, where there's nothing like that for single family. And so we're just trying to stimulate that customer group. Yeah, so commercial properties, multifamily residential properties like apartments and condos or HOA properties that have non-functional grass, that grass that nobody is walking on or recreating on. In fact, the only person that walks on is pushing the lawnmower. Um, That is the kind of grass that by Nevada law will not be permitted to be irrigated beginning in 2027. So those property owners have a decision point now as to what they're going to do with their non-functional grass. If they act now, they can still get a rebate to replace that grass. 
But at the same time, like you said, they have a requirement by state law to address their non-functional grass. And homeowners don't have that same kind of requirement right now. So adding that additional incentive for homeowners makes a lot of sense. You know, when we initiated the Water Smart Landscape rebate program, which some people call cash for grass, was back in 1999, and it really has been a flagship for our entire conservation program. And a lot of the water savings that has been gained over the past quarter of a century here in Las Vegas has been done by replacing this grass. And it's much more water efficient to do that. And since its inception, the Water Smart Landscape Program has helped remove more than 220 million square feet of grass. You took that grass and just stretched it out into one long strip of sod, it would go all the way around the circumference of the earth. So we've taken out a lot of grass. You're talking about 175 billion gallons of water that has been saved through that initiative. So Toby, where we are now in terms of replacing decorative grass in the valley, can you give our listeners a little sense of where that is right now with this non-functional decorative grass? We have a lot of work to do. I'll say that. We do a lot of aerial imagery analysis, what turf is around and and how it's changed over the years. And when the whole initiative started to start focusing on the non-functional compared to now, we're probably about halfway there, maybe even a little bit less than halfway. So there are still several thousand acres of non-functional grass. There's another team that works with that group, and they have some charts that show a significant amount of work over the next year to get that grass coming out. So there is quite a bit still ahead that the last year, both single family and the non-single family had pretty good numbers as far as how much grass was removed. But their charts show that they expect to see exponential amounts of it coming out over, over the next two years to get to that goal uh, beginning of 2027. Toby, I'm curious, how many, do you know off the top of your head, how many residential customers have replaced grass with desert landscaping? Um, I looked at the number. I just looked at the number. I do know for the overall, for the projects, there's been about 80,000 projects. Okay. So, so, um, so that's the total, right? So probably in the 70,000-ish have been on the residential. And then about two years ago, I actually did some kind of analysis on the actual number of properties. And I think it was in the neighborhood of like one in 10 in the valley actually had done a conversion. So roughly about 10% of them. A lot of residentials do a front and a back, right? So they will have two projects per se. But I wanted to look at just the core number of homes. And so, yeah, I think it was like in the 40 to 50,000-ish Okay. And I was just curious because I think we do, even though we have so much work to do, as you stated, want to give kudos to those who have stepped up over the years and contributed to our Valley's conservation efforts. And with that, the more that people do take out grass, we get a lot of questions that we'll see and comments on our social media platforms related to the Landscape Rebate Program about how we are making sure that we're not having negative impacts to the environment by removing that grass. So when you irrigate grass, the water evaporation has a cooling effect in your yard, and then people are concerned that without lawns, the valley is going to get even warmer. So it's important to note that the program has always supported replacing water-thirsty grass with water-smart plants and trees, and we need that shade from the trees to help keep the Las Vegas Valley cool. In fact, the SNWA recently introduced a new program. It's like a tree bonus to the Water Smart Landscapes rebate program to help increase the community's urban canopy. 
Talk to us a little bit about that tree bonus and why the SNWA added the incentive for each new living tree planted as part of a landscape upgrade. And how do property owners qualify for that? So first of all, if you look at the history of our program, we have always required a canopy element to it, right? So from the very beginning, um, it's always had a 50% canopy requirement. We never wanted to take grass out and solely replace with just rock or artificial grass. The property had to have trees and bushes. And so there's a lot of benefits to having trees in general. The shade is one element of it. It's, there's also air quality issues. It's habitat for what, you know, for birds and, and things like that. So there's a lot of good benefits to having plants and trees and shrubs throughout the property. In the last couple of years, there's been a lot of discussion and focus on the heat island effect. And so the impacts, some of it is, you know, the conversion of grass. There's a lot of other things. I mean, one of the biggest contributors is actually streets and hardscapes and things like that. And that's really what's driving heat island as much as anything. But taking out grass and putting in rock and things like that obviously is not helping it. You know, it's just kind of adding to some of that. And so what we wanted to do is try to further enhance and encourage people and businesses, any type of property that's doing a conversion, to add even extra trees. Because trees provide shading. It cools down properties. When I'm teaching classes, I will talk to people about doing conversions, you know, and they'll say, well, I take my grass out. My house is going to heat up. I'm like, actually, you know, the grass itself is not necessarily having a great impact on the house, right? Your house is not cooling because you have grass next to it. Yeah, sure, the water evaporates and it's kind of cool right next to it, but it doesn't affect the house. In the end, what really benefits everything are trees. If you have trees with canopy, I mean, they're shading your house, you know, knock your energy bills down. Um, it helps to cool stuff in general. Because of that, in our history of trees, um, what we did is we implemented a new program last year where we're giving people an added bonus. So if they pick trees off of our list that are trees that will do well going forward, and I'll talk about that in a second, we'll give them an additional $100 for each of those trees on top of the WSL rebate. Now, we have picked trees that we know will be doing good in the future, in 20 years, in 30 years. We have found that there are a lot of trees in the urban core right now that are really starting to struggle. But the things like the pine trees and the ash trees that we have been really used to can't handle our climate anymore. They can't handle the warmer nights and we're seeing a lot more die off. So we don't want to pay and rebate for those type of trees that come in when we know they're going to turn around and die really quickly. So what we're trying to incentivize are more of the desert adapted trees, your mesquites, your palo verdes, your acacias, and trees like that that can handle our heat. And so anyways, if somebody picks one of those trees, it has to be a 15 gallon, so it can't be a little tiny thing. It's got to be have some substance to it so we can get the benefits of the shade fairly quickly. We'll give people the additional money. The key thing is it has to be a part of the WaterSmart Landscapes rebate program. And so that's a little bit of the misunderstanding because I still have people coming to me that just added some trees to their landscape and they're like, hey, you know, can you pay me? You know, give me a rebate. And they're like, sorry, you have to be participating in the WaterSmart Landscapes rebate program. Just the design of the program, there was a correlation with it and how the funding worked out is we, you know, it had to tie into that program and just the way it was set up. So if somebody wants to get rebated for the trees, they do have to be also taking grass out. If anybody is interested in just adding trees, as I mentioned, there's lots of benefits, you know, there's lots of options out there. And I strongly encourage that. But as far as our rebate, they do have to be participating in our program. And Toby, trees use less water than grass, right? I mean, there is a direct conservation savings because we've, you know, also heard from the community that if we're incentivizing 
more trees to be installed as part of landscape conversions, well, that's just going to use more water. But just on the surface, trees are using less water than grass, right? Correct. Yeah. I mean, just in the whole, going back to the beginning, what I was talking about with the irrigation type, spray for grass uses a lot more water than drip would use for trees or bushes. And you know, Toby, a couple of years ago, you explained to me that spray irrigation puts out gallons per minute and drip irrigation puts out gallons per hour. And that's our difference in efficiencies. And that's why you need to run your drips a little bit longer than you need to run your spray irrigation. But you just need to make sure that you're staying on top of it and your plants are doing right. And if you see any need or stress from your plants, rather than upping your water time, maybe just add another drip emitter to that plant. That way you're not increasing your overall water use at your property, but you're just providing that one plant that needs a little additional water, that water that is needed. Is that about right? Yeah, absolutely. And I would add one thing. Our experience has been in talking to people and from our site visits, more trees and bushes are struggling because people are overwatering compared to them underwatering. So just be careful, right? So like what you said, sure, is, is kind of the obvious thing, but sometimes it's they're actually watering it too much. So we always tell people, especially on trees, you know, after a watering, you kind of want it to dry out a little bit. If it's staying wet like a swamp all the time, then you're watering too much. Good rule of thumb there. And Toby, so look, just by participating in the Water Smart Landscape Rebate Program, you've committed to the program, you are planning to take out that grass. If you are a customer that is in the program, you qualify for that tree bonus, an additional $100 for every tree that you put in, and especially those desert-adapted trees, like you mentioned. And also, obviously, a lot of value in protecting those trees that are continuing to do well, those established trees in our community. But if you're replacing your grass with water-efficient landscaping and you have trees that you want to keep, we encourage that as well. You need to take the appropriate measures to make sure that you can transition that tree to your drip irrigation. And we have some tips on snwa.com on how to do that. But Toby, can you just talk a little bit about what some of those challenges are for our listeners and what people should be thinking about to ensure that those established mature trees survive these landscape conversions? If you have a mature tree, that's just that's super critical for us. We want to try to keep the mature trees. If it's made it to that stage and it's still healthy and alive, you want to do everything you can to keep it alive. The key part on it is the irrigation, is how the irrigation is set up. And I can't tell you how many times when we have seen conversions, and this is a lot of it more in the past than we do now, but you know, you would see a conversion and you would see a tree that's a 20, 30 foot high tree that has like a four or five foot trunk, just a big established tree. And the replacement for a grass that had been watering it all around it was two drip heads or three drip heads that are right next to it. And right next to the trunk, that tree was doomed. Like it, it had no chance of survival. So the irrigation is just super critical. We offer classes and our website has a lot of information, snwa.com, about how the proper way to water the trees. And the thing that we really focus on is the canopy of the tree. And so I think a lot of times people don't understand that, again, because they think a couple of drip heads right next to the trunk is what's going to keep it alive. But that's not where the active roots are at. That's not where the growth is at. The growth and, and active roots are out to the canopy. And we always say, you just go to the edges of the tree, wherever that is, and you do a vertical line straight down. And that tells you where you need to have some good irrigation set up. That alone tells people, oh, okay, you know, I, I need to have more irrigation than just a couple heads next to the trunk. If they have a landscaper, and most of the people do have a landscaper doing the work, 
it's really important for them to communicate to the landscaper. You know, this is that's a focus for them. Hey, I'm I want to keep this tree alive, so please make sure that the irrigation is done correctly. And if you know, if you're by chance around, if you can see how the irrigation is laid out before the rock or artificial grass is placed down, that also gives you an extra level of comfort that you know those trees are going to survive. And the final thing I would say is there is um, a lot of interest in our program for using artificial grass. There are a lot of customers just like it. Unfortunately, though, a lot of the artificial grass companies are kind of not really landscapers. I mean, I don't want to say carpet layers, but that's that kind of skill. They don't have the experience with the, the trees and the irrigation. So if you're having artificial grass put in, especially focus on the irrigation. Make sure they understand you're watching, um, that they're doing the irrigation correctly. And again, if you could see how the irrigation is laid out before that artificial grass is put down. That was super critical and will give you and your tree, obviously, a much better chance of surviving going forward after the conversion. So, Toby, as you mentioned, we have a lot of tips on our website that offer free resources and guides on what types of plants and trees to consider for your landscape conversion, how to hire a landscaper, and how to protect your established trees. Can you also share any other tips you have about participating in the Water Smart Landscapes rebate program? What are some mistakes people make when converting their yards? In fact, you just helped us create some new videos about that. So what are the common reasons someone might not pass the final inspection, which is necessary to get that rebate check? There's a couple of main things which are requirements of the program, and we check the main fail type of reasons. And and let me say this. I mean, if somebody fails an inspection, we always give them a couple of months to make the corrections. So it's not like at that final inspection, they're done and they're out, right? So we, we want to have a successful conversion. We're not trying to not give out the rebate. Just so people understand that, you know, we always give the correction and give them, like I said, a couple of months to fix it. The biggest one is on the irrigation side. So there are some irrigation components. There's the valve, which I always say the valve is kind of like the heart of the irrigation system. That's what turns the water on and off, and it gets a signal from the brain, which is your irrigation controller. Well, that valve also has something that's called a pressure regulator and a filter. So they're they're key components to a drip system. They are required in our program, and they are make up probably 75% of our fails because they're in the valve box. A lot of times the homeowner doesn't see it, and the landscaper just didn't pay attention to our conditions. And so it's something that's often missed, um, and then we have to come back out and you know tell the landscaper via the homeowner, hey, you got to fix this and correct it. The intent of those two things, pressure regulator reduces the pressure on the system. So that's really important because the drip system is intended to work at lower pressure. So you don't have heads popping out all over the place and, you know, water spraying. So that's required. A filter is actually for the health of your plants. So it stops those little drip heads from clogging because if they clog, then no water comes out and your plants die. And so both of those components are really necessary and they're requirements of our program. And, and again, those are the things that often are missing at the end that we have them correct. The other thing is plants. So sometimes people don't want to add additional plants or they don't pay attention to our 50% canopy requirement. And so when we come out, we do an inventory. We actually, you know, we'll measure the square footage, obviously, for the rebate, but then we will also inventory all the plants and make sure that they meet that 50%. And so if people are short on that, they would have to come in and then add some additional plants. Now, we have different ways to work with people because sometimes we see a lot of conversions that are done with artificial grass that they don't want plants right in the middle of their artificial grass. 
we have the ability in our program to kind of look around the yard and consider other plants that are around the perimeter. So we have some flexibility and we do try to work with people, but still sometimes they do need to add plants. And so those are the two things I would say to really pay attention to are the irrigation component requirements and then the plants that they're putting in to make sure they have enough. And, and as you mentioned, Crystal, you know, on the website, I mean, we have a plant list and it has a square footage at each of the plants so they know what square footage they're going to need for the conversion. And then on the irrigation, there's information about the pressure regulator and filter and drip systems and that type of tool. And then another plug, the classes. So we do offer classes if anybody wants to. They're free classes. We usually do about eight to 10 of them a year that are very focused on the irrigation and the plant aspects of the conversion. And so to give them more information to help them go through the conversion. All good tips. What else are you seeing with landscapes? So I know I've been talking about this for probably three years now, but we're finally... We're finally doing our backyard. Now, I don't qualify for a landscape conversion because I already have desert landscaping. So we're just looking for a refresh really in our backyard. But for those who are converting and taking out their grass and replacing with desert landscaping, or for someone like me who just wants to redo their backyard, what are some trends that are out there? Some, anything new and exciting? Any specific trees or plants that are good for a backyard or front yard? Yeah, so there's, you know, there's a few trends, and, and I touched on this before, but artificial grass is still very popular. It, it is what it is, and people are excited about it. We always try to give a caveat with artificial grass that it could get really hot, and so it is something to take into consideration if you have kids or pets. But there are actually new technologies in artificial grass that are actually making them more tolerable. So the, the infill, they're starting to use organic materials or sands that actually help to cool it off or handle pet waste and stuff. And the, the material itself is looking more and more like real grass every year. It's getting to the point where you can't tell the difference. So that, that's something that's very popular with people. Another trend I've noticed when I first started doing this program 20 years ago, the hardscape that everybody wanted to use was flagstones, right? So everybody liked flagstones. And now it's pavers. So pavers is the end thing, different variations of pavers. But from a hardscape perspective, that's kind of what people are using. The one that we're excited about, and we've seen a couple examples, but we know some companies that are pushing it and the nurseries are starting to push it, are the living ground covers. So the living ground covers, it's just that. So instead of grass, you have a plant material type that will actually spread over the whole area. So it will kind of look like grass. But again, it's on a drip system. You actually have plant plugs as opposed to a whole bunch of grass. So you actually will see a very significant water savings. And so there's some materials. Um, there's a new one coming out called Carapia. There's uh, a couple of different type of succulent type plants that we're starting to see at the nurseries that are popping out that can do that. You know, one of the issues with some of those is can you walk on it or can your dogs walk around and play on it and stuff? But even there's some of these that are even starting to show up that are showing to be resilient to that. So still kind of new to our valley. We want to see it a few seasons as far as how it handles our summers and how it does handle things like shade versus sun, because that sometimes can affect plants. And again, like if you have dogs, you know, how does the dog waste work on the plants and stuff? But there is definitely some promising trends and there does seem to be some interest. And I would say on the so those living ground covers, I think there is a lot of interest from the HOA, the non-single family side. So like for the common areas and things where they don't want to necessarily put in artificial grass and they also don't want to put a bunch in a rock. They're actually testing this out in some big areas and seeing how it holds up and how it does. So we're kind of excited about that because, again, it'll be cooler. It will be cooler than rocks. It will be cooler than artificial grass. 
Yes, it's going to use a little bit more water than if you had one of those things, but still the trade-off might be something that people are interested in doing and we'll see. But, that, that's but still more water thing. efficient than grass, right? Absolutely. And again, it goes back to the whole thing. You can water it from drip and not as opposed to the spray irrigation. Well, Toby, thank you so much for joining us here today. A lot of good information. Homeowners right now, the incentive to replace your grass with drip irrigated trees and plants, you will get $5 a square foot. If you complete that conversion in this calendar year, you can also get an additional $100 per new tree that you install as part of your conversion. Saving water and creating a good shade canopy around your house helps to combat the urban heat island effect. That is a benefit to our community as we expect our future to be warmer and drier in the years ahead as a result of climate change. Toby Bickmore with the Southern Nevada Water Authority Conservation Team. Thank you so much again for joining us here on the Water Smarts Podcast. Thank you for having me. Always appreciate talking with you guys. Great info. Thanks, Toby. So Bronson, as Toby said, now is the time to take out your grass. If you're a residential customer and you still haven't done it, but you've been thinking about it, $5, that's the most we've ever offered. Right. And I think our expectation is that we're going to see high participation from our Southern Nevada homeowners. And even to sweeten the pot more, the city of Henderson, which obviously is an outstanding partner with the Southern Nevada Water Authority in water conservation, The city of Henderson is offering additional incentives to city of Henderson residents. So if you are a homeowner within the city of Henderson, you can get $5 a square foot for your grass from the Southern Nevada Water Authority. And the city of Henderson will also provide an additional $575 to you for that conversion. There are some requirements to be able to qualify for Henderson's additional supplemental incentive. And you can visit the city of Henderson website for more information there. But To your point, Crystal, right? It is all hands on deck when it comes to water conservation. And we've done such an amazing job as a community driving down our water use. But, you know, we still have more to go. We can become even more efficient tomorrow than we are today if everybody is doing their part and eliminating that grass. I've eliminated it at my home. My mother eliminated it at her home. You don't have grass at your home either. Not one blade. And I can tell you that my quality of life has changed not a bit since I have eliminated that grass, with the exception that I don't spend Saturday morning pushing a lawnmower. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. Well, I wouldn't be the one doing that in my house anyway. But yeah, exactly. And I think it's important to note that we're not saying every in your backyard, if you still need a little bit of grass, if you have pets and it's important for your dogs to be able to go out there and lay in it, or you have toddlers running around and you're worried about them. Those are reasons to keep grass, right? Or or even keep some of it and maybe replace some of it with, mm-hmm. um, you know, desert landscaping. So that's what we call functional grass because it's being used. We're talking about grass that you don't use and is more of a nuisance for you to upkeep, maintain water, pay your bill for it, and get those things out that contribute to a bigger savings, you know, for you and for the community. Yeah, great point. Like if you're not using your grass in your front yard, you can categorize that as non-functional grass. Now, again, homeowners, that $5 a square foot just applies across the board. It is a little bit different for commercial customers. We will have an upcoming Water Smarts podcast episode specifically for our commercial HOAs and multifamily 
property owners with regards to their conversions and their requirements. Well, that's it for this episode here on the Water Smarts Podcast. We hope you subscribe and join us next time. Of course, we're always open to your questions and we appreciate the questions we've received so far. We've been able to respond back directly to those that have submitted those questions, but you can submit yours to us here at watersmarts at snwa.com. That email address is watersmarts at snwa.com. Like I said, we'll get back to you with an answer. You might hear your question on a future episode of this podcast, but we'll see you here next time on Water Smarts. Attention businesses and HOAs. Break up with your high-maintenance, water-thirsty grass. Nevada law requires the removal of purely decorative grass by the end of 2026. Get cash incentives while they're still available to help pay for your landscape upgrade. Learn more at snwa.com.